Hello and welcome to 52 Years A World Cup Podcast. I'm Richard Carey. This is episode four of our podcast. And crikey, has there been a lot of football lately? One of the issues really with the World Cup, I guess, is when you're working, when you've got a day job, which I have at the minute, and I feel like I should have like asked for annual leave or something to be off for the World Cup, especially the group stages, because it comes so thick and fast, doesn't it? You've got uh, you know three matches a day, so because I work and because I have to commute from work, which takes about 45, 30, 30 to 45 minutes, it means that I basically miss the first two games of every World Cup day. I can see the evening game, but that's if I'm not busy in the evening sometimes. I have. Like one thing that happened this week, which shows you sort of uh, how it's hard I've been trying to keep up with the World Cup, but at the same time also having problems with it, is I actually have an evening class on a Wednesday. Um, and I was supposed to write a thousand words for this evening class Wednesday, but I didn't actually do it because I was effectively too busy watching football. But I said I had writer's block. I mean, it was a bit of, I think it was a bit of both. I didn't really want to write it, but at the same time, there was a lot of football on. I wanted to watch as much football as I can because I've got a World Cup podcast. You know, you've got to keep up with these things. Um, but yeah, that's just a bit of a rant about a day job when the World Cup's on anyway. Uh, let's go to the World Cup news. World Cup news. So several countries have already qualified for the last 16 of the World Cup, with one game left to spare. These include Russia, Uruguay, France, Croatia, and I think that's it. Uh, they, they all picked up the maximum six points in their opening two World Cup matches. It's been slightly worse news for Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Morocco, Peru and Costa Rica who have all been knocked out of the World Cup after only two games. They failed to pick up any points from their first two matches. Iran, Australia and Argentina are hanging on to dear life for their chances of qualifying but that will be out of their hands in the last group stage match. England's assistant manager Steve Holland may have accidentally given away England's starting 11 to face Panama during a training session. Holland was seen holding training notes which appeared to give away England's first team for the match and one thing that Gareth Southgate said, he said this isn't helping, the media should get on the side of England actually not to publicise things like this so it doesn't help the other teams. A Swedish journalist pranked Sami Kadira by giving him a homemade return ticket for the entire Germany squad. Kadira replied that he wouldn't be needing the ticket until 16th of July which is the day after the final but the pressure is on for Germany. They lost the opening game against Mexico and they face Sweden tonight, as in Saturday, as this, when this is recorded. Let's go to the classified results from Tuesday to Friday. Tuesday 19th of June, Colombia 1, Japan 2, Poland 1, Senegal 2, Russia 3, Egypt 1. Wednesday 20th of June, Portugal 1, Morocco 0, Uruguay 1, Saudi Arabia 0, Iran 0, Spain 1. On Thursday 21st of June, Denmark 1, Australia 1, France 1, Peru 0, Argentina 0, Croatia 3. And on Friday 22nd of June, Brazil 2, Costa Rica 0, Nigeria 2, Iceland 0, and Serbia 1, Switzerland 2. So let's look at the matches that have happened the last couple of days. We're starting with last night's match between Serbia and Switzerland. Here are the stats. 
Possession, Serbia 38%, Switzerland 62%. Shots, Serbia 13, Switzerland 20. Shots on target, Serbia 3, Switzerland 5. On the fifth minute, a Tadic cross and a headed goal by Mitrovic put Serbia up into lead 1-0. On the 52nd minute, a stunner of a strike from Granit Xhaka with his left foot from the outside of the box blasted into the top right hat and corner of the net to make it all square 1-1. On the 19th minute, Gavanovic played a lovely through ball into Jordan Shakiri. He finished it off with style to make it 2-1 Switzerland. Shakiri also hit the bar on a shot earlier, which was a, would have been possibly a, a good shout for goal of the tournament had it gone in. This was an incredibly open and entertaining game, almost basketball style. It was very much end-to-end. -end. Both sides were go really going for it, and Serbia did well to gain and maintain the control in the first half. Switzerland definitely came back into it in the second half and had the upper hand, and just about deserved the win. I think, you know, it shows you very quickly how much this changes, because looking at the first half, you think, oh, Serbia, they're actually going to qualify with two games who would have fought that before the tournament but now they lost and they're going to have to face Brazil ah could be a problem but we'll get to Brazil in a bit um, Switzerland faced the already eliminated Costa Rica spoiler alert for the next game and let's move on to Brazil versus Costa Rica well sit children let me give you the subject of the day uh, there were two goals in this game. In the 91st minute, there was a cross into Firmino. It was headed down to Jesus, and it came to Coutinho, who put it away to make it 1-0 Brazil. In the 97th minute, yes, they were playing that many minutes, Douglas Costa crossed it into Neymar, who volleyed it into an empty net to wrap up the game. It was 2-0 Brazil. So they left it late, Brazil, and I only actually saw the highlights of this match, but they looked quite frustrated and desperate to score, almost like Argentina, except they actually ended up getting the job done. Um, thanks to Coutinho and Neymar. I'm not convinced about this Brazil side though, they look like they're struggling in the group stage, but perhaps that's because it's a group stage and when it comes to knockout football they'll do a lot better. Um, yeah, very disappointing and abrupt end for the World Cup for Costa Rica, just haven't been at the races here, um, no one expected to do much, they haven't done much, that's all you can say about Costa Rica. That does show that, I mean, there, there was an incident in this game, which I haven't talked about, but it will be featured in our VAR watch. So next is Argentina versus Croatia. It was arguably on paper the match of the second round of games. You know, you had Spain versus Portugal in that first lot of games and Argentina versus Croatia, probably the game of the second round of games. Here are the stats. Possession, 58% Argentina, 42% Croatia. Shots, 10 Argentina, 14 Croatia. Shots on target, Argentina 3, Croatia 5. In the 53rd minute, there's a terrible mistake by Willy Caballero and he completely miskicks the clearance and Rebic nicely volleyed it over Caballero and into the net to make it 1-0 Croatia. On the 80th minute, Luka Modric kept possession on the outside of the box. He took a terrific curling shot and it went into the right corner, actually curved around the post. So it was, good. It was like it was going wide and it curved back in into the net. It was a great goal to make it 2-0 to Croatia. And in the 91st minute, Ivan Rakitic uh, wrapped things up by slotting the ball away and it was slid over to him by Matteo Kovacic and 
It was just a very easy goal to wrap it up. 3-0 to Croatia at full time. It's a bit of a struggle for both sides in the first half, but Caballero's horrible mistake really let Croatia into the game, and from there on in, they didn't really have any problems winning this. I mean, Argentina's defence was quite horrible. I mean, you can say all you want about the keeper mistake, but on that third goal in particular, you know, Argentina were nowhere to be seen uh, in, in defence. They, they gave Croatians so much time to just... They, they could have had a cup of tea, come back and still scored that goal. You know, you've got an interesting tournament for Lionel Messi. I mean, he hasn't had a very good one. He hasn't scored any goals. Um, he, we've had two games now. He looked pretty ineffective, actually, against Croatia. I think, also, I think they took off Aguero right after Croatia went 1-0 up. And I think, you know, he wasn't playing that well, so I kind of get why he was substituted. But in that situation where you need goals, why take off a striker who can score? You know, he has a proven track record for scoring a lot of goals. So I thought that was a mistake. I thought they should have kept him on because, you know, just take off a defender and then put on another attacker in that position you know especially with Argentina's sort of weaker position in the group you've got to go for these games I found that Argentina's well don't really have any physical players they don't have, I think they sort of need Peter Crouch or something like someone who can actually head the ball in the area you can see so many set pieces that go awry for Argentina because they just don't have anybody to aim for so they're just like it's just kind of pointless so, time for our VAR watch. The VAR was very busy this week, it's fair to say. A number of penalty and offside decisions to talk about. So, in the Brazil game, on the 79th minute, Brazil was actually awarded a penalty by the referee, but the VAR reviewed it and the decision was overturned. And you could see that actually Neymar sort of dived. I think he might have even got booked for it. So that was actually overturned, and it was the right decision. So 1-0 to VAR. Then there was another uh, in the sort of flip reverse of that in the next game we're going to cover, which is Iceland versus Nigeria. Iceland were not given a penalty by the referee, but it went to the VAR, and it was given as a penalty. So, And he was clipped from behind. As a, I thought it was a penalty. So 2-0 to the VAR, you know, it's doing quite well. In terms of the decisions that the VAR is making, that seems to be relatively positive in this tournament. The main issue is the decisions it's not declaring anything on. Like, there's people getting rugby tackled, so people saying they're doing wrestling moves on them, uh, and then it's being ignored by the VAR, perhaps because the referee missed it and they're not wanting to sort of get involved in every little argy-bargy thing so the game has like 15 minutes of stoppage time. I get it. And I don't actually mind it too much. I think as long as it works out relatively balanced at the end of the day, who cares? But we also had an uh, interesting decision in the Australia game. It was a possible handball. Uh, I mean, how Australia have had two penalties, both by handball, both um, given by the VAR. Obviously, one was more straightforward than the other. This one was a bit more contentious, but it was given. I thought it was probably a handball anyway, so I think it should have been uh, given. But even if it wasn't really, you know, given, if, if, it, if it wasn't a, a fair decision, then it's sort of kind of karma because Australia got completely screwed against France. So they deserve a little bit of luck, even if it wasn't. I thought it was all right anyway. But VAR actually has something that isn't 
a penalty, believe it or not, in this tournament. It was a disallowed goal for Iran. We'll talk about that a little bit later because uh, it kind of felt a little bit harsh, but it was definitely offside. Egypt were awarded a free kick against Russia, but that was actually turned into a penalty. So um, the referee thought it was the foul was outside the box, but VAR reviewed it and decided it was in the box and it was given a penalty. So very busy week for VAR, mainly positive with the decisions it's made, but the criticism is in what it's not done. So the decisions it's not done anything on uh, but you know how many more penalties do you want people there's, there's a, a ton of penalties at this world cup it means we have basically no nil nil draws in 26 games which is a good thing but do you want even more penalties are we just going to have a game that's literally all to all penalties and it ends like 10-9 in penalties i don't know anywho let's move on we're going to talk about nigeria versus iceland which was the other game from group d which took place on friday on the 49th minute, there was a great run by Moses down the right-hand side. It was crossed into Musa, and hammered it into the net to make it 1-0 Nigeria. How about that? And on the 75th minute, Musa had a darting run into the box, went around one defender and the keeper, and slotted it home to make it 2-0 Nigeria. Like I mentioned in the VAR report, there was a penalty to Iceland that was given by the VAR. As Sigerson missed it, it went over the bar. It was not well taken. I think they're having, he's, he's trying to have a competition between him and Messi. Like, who took the worst penalty? I mean, at least Messi's was on target. It wasn't great. So this was probably worse. So Nigeria, like, out of nowhere, after a game and a half of kind of being naff, uh, turned into something, you know, sprung to life in the second half and got those two crucial goals that took them from almost certain finishing bottom of this group to potentially qualify so how about that and I, it's kind of typical of Iceland isn't it they'll do all the hard work against a team like Argentina and then completely screw it up on the I guess quote-unquote easy game I do wonder whether Nigeria felt it was quite lucky uh, having their sort of their fancy shirt that everybody's talking about you know the zigzags on and sort of got all the white and the green and it's, it looks pretty damn cool in fairness so maybe that's a lucky kit for them because they didn't wear that in their first game, which was probably the reason why they lost against Croatia. So Group D out of the way, we'll go to Group C and France versus Peru. On the 34th minute, a Giro shot was blocked and it fell to Mbappe with an easy tap-in 1-0 France. I think he was become like the youngest scorer at the World Cup or something. So fair play to him. Um, and that's how it ended 1-0 to France. And France seemed to have the better chances in the first half. Um, but Peru all over them in the second. And again, we've got a very wasteful Peru side who can't score. Can't put it in the score bag, you know. I felt like they were taking a few too many shots from outside the box, you know. Trying for the spectacular. Why not go for the easy one? I think people have seen you know, past World Cups, particularly World Cup 2010, well, they had this kind of aerodynamic ball, and you could kind of whack it from like 30 yards out, and it would go in, basically. And the keepers always struggled with it. But we haven't really seen that. I mean, we've seen some de really decent goals here, and this week was a fantastic week for great goals. And we'll talk about one in the next game between Denmark and Australia. France, not looking too good after two games, but they have picked up six points, and they're already through 
to the second round, which is always a benefit. And, you know, it does seem pretty miraculous that they managed to get those six points. They could have easily got two. Like, Australia probably should have drawn with them, and Peru probably should have drawn with them, or, or possibly better. So, but there you go. That's how, it go. that's how it happens sometimes, and that's what you need in football, just winning by any means necessary. The other game in Group C was Denmark versus Australia. So for the goals, there was a beautiful Ericsson half volley from the edge of the area, which flew into the net to make it 1-0 Denmark. And like I mentioned before, with the VAR, there was a penalty to Australia that was given by the VAR for a handball. Jedinek scored his second penalty of the tournament. Are Australia going to actually score any other goals at the World Cup apart from spot kicks, you know? They want to try and maybe mix it up a bit, maybe get a free kick or, God forbid, open play. <gasps> Uh, so, yeah, we've had a few contenders this week, as I said, for goal of the tournament. You know, that Luka Modric amazing strike, which is probably my favourite of the bunch against Argentina. Xhaka's belter against Serbia on Friday night. And Ericsson's thumping half volley here against Australia. But it wasn't enough for Denmark to, to win and, you know, Australia hanging on thanks to that penalty. I mean, Denmark probably are in a better position with a draw because they got four points and Australia have only got the one and they're going to really struggle, I mean, when you do the maths. They can get through if if they beat Peru and, you know, France get, do them a favour, maybe. But it's going to be a little bit of a close one. Whereas Denmark, they only need a draw against France, which doesn't seem that difficult based on the France team who are already through. They'll probably take a draw because they'll finish the top of the league. They might even bring out their reserve team, who knows. On to Group B. Yes, we're doing a lot of groups today. Um, this was Portugal versus Morocco. Quite an interesting thing about this, uh, Vicky Sparks was the commentator for the BBC for this match. She's actually the first woman to commentate on a World Cup match on UK television, so well done to Vicky. That is a great achievement and, you know, I think people were sometimes criticising it on, on online, which is very, I don't like to see that. You know, I, I actually think that she did a really good job and it was as good or if not better than the men. So let's talk about the goal. On the fourth minute, a corner was taken short by Portugal. It was crossed into the box where who else but Cristiano Ronaldo got on the end of it and got a diving header to make it 1-0 to Portugal. Ronaldo, four goals in his tournament, top scorer in the competition. And he scored every goal for Portugal so far. So if he gets injured, they might be buggered. So, yeah, I mean, Morocco had quite a few chances, actually, in the second half. And they were a bit on the sort of Peru level in that they're having a lot of shots and they're just not quite clinical enough to put them away, which is what matters. Um, you know, they're already out now and you sort of think it's kind of harsh because they're a lot better than the likes of Saudi Arabia. And, you know, Portugal hung on at the end a little bit and got the 1-0 win, which is pretty important going into their last game against Iran. And let's talk about Iran versus Spain. Now, one thing that's been noted is that Iran fans have discovered Vuvu Sailors in 2018. Now, there haven't really been Vuvu Sailors at World Cup since 2010 in South Africa when it was a big thing. So obviously Iran are kind of eight years behind the trends, you know. So talk about the goal. Uh, on the 54th minute, uh, it was a turn by Costa in the box. Defender sort of tried to clear it, but actually deflected off Costa's knee and went into the back of the net to make it 1-0 Spain. So Iran sort of got a goal back. I mentioned it in the VAR watch before. Um, 
it went into the net. It was crossed in from a free kick, went into the net. Uh, the VAR actually overturned it and ruled it offside. They even had in pitch invaders and like people from the bench coming on because the, they were so happy that they scored a goal and actually, oh, it was disallowed, so it was still 1-0. This match also featured a very sort of elaborate, supposed to be throw-in, but wasn't a throw-in. So Iran, I can't remember who it was, but they took this, they did this like front sort of somersault and then just sort of wussed out of throwing it so it would have been a really cool throw in but it, it actually wasn't so that was quite disappointing i sort of feel bad for iran because i feel like actually it would have been nice to have them get that goal even though it was you know definitely offside i've also realized that carlos Quiroz is their manager which i didn't actually know before so that's interesting i mean he was mentioned before on itv but i thought is he still portugal manager and i thought no he's not and the iran manager of all places I think the f person who might most be pleased for 1-0 Spain result is David De Gea, based on his uh, little blunder last time. So he might be relieved he got a clean sheet on this occasion. Costa looks threatening again, and it's sort of between him and Ronaldo for the golden boot. There's also, um, I think it's Sheryshev for Russia, who's on free as well. So, nice little game there. Uh, it will kind of depend on who manages to get furthest in the tournament, I guess. Group A now, Russia versus Egypt. Let's go back and see some stats. Possession, Russia 49%, Egypt 51%. Shots, Russia 11, Egypt 13. Shots on target, Russia 3, Egypt 1. On the 47th minute, Fatty uh, scored a home goal following a clearance that made it 1-0 to Russia. On the 59th minute, there was a cross along the ground to Sheryshev at the front post, and it, he coolly finished it to make it 2-0 to Russia. On the 62nd minute, a long ball to Zubia. He chested it down, turned and slotted it into the bottom right corner, 3-0 to Russia. And on the 73rd minute, Salah was fouled. Um, like I said before, the referee initially rewarded a free kick outside the box, and it went to VAR, who ruled it to be a penalty. And Salah converted that penalty into the top right-hand corner and it ended 3-1. Quite interesting how it sort of had a nil-nil um, first half. And one of the things about this tournament is we have gone 26 games without a nil-nil draw, which is quite... I think actually it's, it's, it's actually drawn the longest sort of consecutive amount of games at a World Cup that haven't had a nil-nil. And that's since 1954, where every game in the tournament didn't have a nil-nil. Imagine going the entire World Cup 2018 without having a nil-nil. I mean, it could happen. It could happen at this rate. You know, what a start for the hosts. Eight goals in two games, six points maximum. You know, looking really impressive, but the competition isn't great, let's be honest. Egypt were poor, and they should have gambled on Mo Salah in the first game based on, you know, how this game's turned up. But then again, Mo Salah wasn't that effective in this game, so maybe it wouldn't have made much difference whatsoever. You know, Russia already qualified, Egypt already out. Um, you didn't expect that before the World Cup started to be this soon, but there you go. The other game in Group A was Uruguay versus Saudi Arabia. The goal came from a corner from Uruguay. The keeper completely fluffed it and it was an easy tap-in for Luis Suarez. And he got off the mark of the World Cup to make it 1-0 Uruguay. And that's how it ended. Uh, <laughs> Uruguay had a lot of chances and really it should have been 3 or 
How it wasn't was, it's probably quite worrying because Saudi Arabia are so rubbish that actually I'm really shocked that Uruguay won't be able to belt quite a few past them. I sort of think Saudi Arabia would be better off not even showing up for their third game because it's so bad at the minute. What a third, fourth place playoff that will be between Egypt and Saudi Arabia. Literally none of them can do anything now except have a bit of pride. Okay, we're almost there now. We've almost there. We've almost got to our long marathon of games that we've covered since Monday when we did the last podcast. We had 12 games since then. That's how, you know, it's, 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 it's mile a minute football. And I find it's, it sort of becomes redundant quite quickly. Like even I'm worrying as recording this podcast on Saturday morning, that by the time I get it out, there'll be another World Cup game on and it will already be sort of old news. Colombia versus Japan, which took place on Tuesday. Almost straight away, Japan got a penalty as Sanchez um, got sent off for handling the ball in the area after 2 minutes and 56 seconds. On the sixth minute, the penalty eventually got taken by Kagawa, who slotted the ball into the right corner to make it 1-0 Japan. On the 39th minute, there was a free kick by Quintero. It went under the wall and it just about crossed the line. The keeper was a bit too slow to react to that. And the GLT, goal line technology, gave the goal and it was 1-1. On the 73rd minute, we had a corner by Honda. It was a, a header by Osako. It hit the post and went into the back of the net to make it 2-1 Japan. Colombia had a horrible start and paid for it in defeats. They did well to get back into the game and to draw level, but it was always going to be hard to play for 87 minutes with 10 men. That's an uphill struggle. Japan played pretty well, actually, and they've given themselves a golden opportunity to not only get out of this group, but actually come first. Anyone fancy an England-Japan game? We could see it in knockout stages. It's not uh, impossible. In fact, I actually did a FIFA tournament, and that was the second round game. It was Japan versus England, so I'd be quite interested. I'd be quite interested in seeing it, to be honest. A final game: Poland versus Senegal. On the thirty-seventh minute, it was a Kochnek own goal after a deflected shot from Gaye, and that made it one-nil to Senegal. On the sixtieth minute, Yang was off the pitch. He was being attended to after he was injured. He was weighed back on by the referee and immediately picked up the ball in the opposition half. He got past Chesney, who was way off his line and easily slotted home to make it 2-0 Senegal. It was kind of a needless error by Poland who tried a back pass attempt that went horribly wrong. And then on the 86th minute, a free kick was delivered into Kurashak, who headed it well into the right corner of the net to make it 2-1, which is how it finished at full time. After the match, some Senegal fans actually stayed around to clear up the rubbish that was around them, which was quite a nice gesture, I suppose, unless you think that maybe they're doing the cleaners out of a job if they're doing this voluntarily. So stop doing it, Senegal. You know, we want, it, we want people to get paid for their cleaning job. Uh, Poland had a lot of chances. This could have easily been a draw, or even a Poland win. But um, Group H is kind of a weird one, isn't it? I thought, going into this, I thought, oh, Colombia and Poland will get through. And now, like, after the first game, Japan and Senegal at the top. It's kind of a... It's a very open group, I suppose. I get, it's, it's sort of weaker because there's not one sort of massively established team in there. At the same time, it's more open because they're sort of mostly at the same level-ish. Let's have a look at the group standings. Group A looks like this. Russia are on top with a goal difference of a whopping seven and six points. Uruguay are second with a goal difference of two and six points. Egypt are third with minus three goal difference and zero points. 
and Saudi Arabia at the bottom there. Minus six on the goal difference and zero points. In Group B, Spain top it with a goal difference of one and points four. Portugal second, goal difference of one, points four. I actually think they're dead even right now, so be interesting to see how that happens, what happens in the last game. And Iran are third with absolute zero on the goal difference and three points. And Morocco, who are out with minus two, goal difference, zero points. In Group C, France topped the group with a goal difference of two and six points. Denmark are second with a goal difference of two and four points. Australia are third with minus one goal difference and one point, and Peru are dead last, minus two goal difference, no points. In Group D, Croatia top it with a goal difference of five and six points. Nigeria are second with a zero goal difference and three points. Iceland third, minus two goal difference, one point, and Argentina fourth with minus three goal difference, one point, right at the bottom there, Argentina. In Group E, Brazil top it with four points and a two plus two goal difference. Switzerland second with plus one and four points. Serbia with no goal difference and three points. And Costa Rica minus three goal difference, no points. They're out of there. Group F, Sweden are top with one, one goal difference and three points. Mexico second with one goal difference, three points. Germany minus one are third zero points and South Korea with minus one goal difference and zero points as well. In Group G, Belgium are the top with goal difference of three and three points. England the second, goal difference of one, three points. Tunisia had a minus one goal difference and no points and Panama have a minus three goal difference at the bottom and zero points. And in the last group, Japan have a goal difference of one and three points. Senegal also have a goal, di goal difference of one and three points. And Poland have minus one and no points. And Colombia at the bottom with minus one and no points. So we will be back after that England versus Panama game to bring you the next episode of 52 Years, a World Cup podcast. And thank you for listening. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at 52 Years World Cup. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes to search 52 Years World Cup. And that's about it, so see you later. Bye. <laughs> We're gonna play football, soccer, football, soccer, football, soccer, all around the world. We're gonna play football, soccer, football, soccer, football, soccer, all around the world. Talking about